For those of you with a voice, if you want to know how you can start your own podcast and share your truths, check the link in the description below to sign up for Buzzsprout. Learn how you can get a $20 Amazon gift card and support the show. Hello, all of my inquisitive awakening souls. Welcome to season three, episode three of the Wokish Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Cavalius, and in today's episode, I want to shed some light on the much debated, highly controversial subject of crystals and stones. I don't know if we can call it gemology, really, you know, unless there's a secret guild of esoteric gemologists out there somewhere that, you know, possesses the knowledge on how to fully harness the potential from these powerful minerals. And not fragmented or regurgitated either, but, you know, the entire trove of suppressed information. Now, I'm telling you from personal experience, they have magical properties. If you want to define it as such, you got to hear me out on this. The use of crystals and stones and jewelry, amulets and the likes, dates back to over 60,000 years ago, but the earliest recorded utilization was found in ancient Samaria and in Egypt. The Sumerians used them in magic formulas and potions for all kinds of ailments from rashes to an upset stomach. The Egyptians, they used crystals primarily for protection and health, but they also used them in luxury cosmetics as well. In Europe, during the Renaissance, a number of medical expositions appeared, acclaiming the virtues of precious and semi-precious stones in the treatment of certain ailments. Crystals and stones were being used in conjunction with herbal remedies as well. In 1232, Hubert de Burg, the chief administrator for Henry III, was actually accused of stealing a gem from the king's vaults, which would make the wearer virtually invincible. He gave it to the king of Wales, which was Henry's enemy at the time. That gem was said to have originated from the remnants of King Solomon's temple, the same King Solomon of the Bible, who we all know was in direct contact with off-world entities. It was also believed in those dark times that gemstones were corrupted by the original sins of Adam and were potentially susceptible to being inhabited by demons. Or, you know, if the stones were handled by a sinner or someone with sinister intentions, their magical attributes would be rendered unattainable. Therefore, they should be sanctified and consecrated before wearing. Now, there is an echo of this belief today in the cleansing and programming of crystals before use, uh, you know, in crystal healing with the help of Sage and Palo Santo. And we can't forget some evidence to leave my religious text fact checker satiated. In the book of Exodus, Aaron the brother of Moses, and also the head of the Israelite priesthood, the unaltered texts describe his enchanted breastplate as having the same stones that correspond with the 12 primary birthstones of today. In the Quran, the fourth heaven is composed of garnet, and the cumbersome density of 3D crystallizes dimension into the mineable red stone and anchored it here. Most of the world's mined garnet is used for industrial purposes, actually, which blew my freaking mind because it created a parallel in my findings in regards to the dualistic utilization of crystals and stones in both physical and metaphysical aspects. Because nowadays, we see quartz crystal being used in almost every electronic device that requires memory or data storage. And I know y'all heard about the crystal skulls that are sporadically being discovered. I think there's like 13 of them maybe. And they're said to have information about our universe and existence stored within its infinite tetrahedra filing system, geometrically fabricated within the very halls of the Akashic record. 
these are the words of shaman scribes from thousands of years ago, okay? But probably not annotated as eloquently as I just put it. Quartz crystal is also known as the master crystal. They conduct electricity in a unique manner called piezoelectricity. Using precise resonations and oscillations, the electricity produced can be programmed in a sense, you know, in a constant of transmission and reception of data and commands, and then storing those specific directives for future accessibility. Now, the resonance or vibrations produced within the quartz, as I was just talking about, is created by something that resembles a tuning fork. Whether we're talking about a sliver in a digital watch or a snippet within a microchip powering a laptop, both are stimulated in a vibratory manner as everything in existence is, right? Even Sally, the overworked, sex-starved secretary knows that as she demonstrated when she whips out her bullet in the bathroom stall during her lunch break. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But seriously, think about this. 15% of the land surface on Earth, as well as about 20% of the Earth's crust, is comprised of quartz crystal. So that's more than one-third of the Earth's solid mass, which pretty much means we're a massive crystal ball floating around in space in a solar system that was prefabricated and intelligently designed. Which also means that Mother Gaia, in all her crystalline beauty, is sending and receiving signals to and from the cosmos to civilizations and star systems beyond our solar system. Intricately designed millions of years ago, but you know now it seems as if our oppressors are intent on disrupting the harmony and strength of those signals by manufacturing specific technologies that cause a profound amount of interference. I'm not going to venture down that rabbit hole, but I had to point that out in order to solidify factual conceptualization on the inherent necessity of crystal and stone utilization in one's life. Because while the men in the shadows systematically diminish the SOS broadcast and muffle the screams coming from Mother Gaia herself, we need to be at our highest vibration with our own personal frequency in order to continue assisting her in gaining the attention of whatever intergalactic species that's within earshot. (laughs) Now, you remember the cigar-shaped interstellar slab of rock named Amuamua, right? That made its way through our solar system? Now, you better believe that was a freaking probe, right? Intelligently controlled by a savior ET race, wondering what in the fuck is going on down here, (laughs) right? Amuamua is still here on the outskirts of our solar system, okay? Don't let them lie to you. I've seen footage with my own eyes of its coordinates being triangulated by technology and pros that would rival NASA with state-of-the-art equipment within their own backyards and garages. But anyway, we're talking about crystals and stones here and the vibratory activation needed in order to harness the energy within them. Because the skeptics, posers, and wannabe esoterics, they seem to think that walking around with a crystal in your pocket is all it takes. I mean, it's, it's part of it, absolutely. You know, for that stone or crystal in your pocket to work at its optimal level, it has to imprint on its owner. You know, along with exposure to the sun and the moon's cosmic rays, uh, being cleaned with fresh water and sea salt, and purified with sage, that stone will activate and enhance the condition of your auric field with the unique attributes associated with that particular stone. Even then, unfortunately, we don't possess the capability to bring those crystals to their full capacity in regards to healing and protection. 
Certain aspects of our DNA have been intentionally switched off or bred out. And, you know, our cells can't remember how to integrate those energies. We also don't have the specific harmonic frequencies and resonance that we possessed thousands of years ago. Ancient cultures such as the Tibetan Buddhists utilized cave systems, rooms, and temples harmonically tuned and designed to near precise octaves and frequencies. Within these specially tuned chambers, they used drums, singing bowls, bells, and scepters, all working together to amplify and conjoin the energy signature of the stones and one soul. And this is kind of where the, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, <laughs> this is where they drew some of their inspiration from. Now look, I'm not going to beat you guys over the head with it, okay? <laughs> I can go on for hours just about my personal experiences alone. But I will say this, okay? When I go into any of my local metaphysical shops that I frequent, my ears ring so loud it feels like I'm swimming through the freaking sound, for Christ's sake, all right? So don't tell me I'm making this shit up, all right? I suggest you do some of your own research. And if you've got questions, you can hit me up on the 3W website or in the comments below. Don't forget, guys, to please like, share, and subscribe. Take care and God bless. I'll see you guys again next time. Damn it, Morpheus. Not everyone believes what you believe. My beliefs do not require them to. We now live in a world where fact is far stranger than fiction. Take the journey with us as we uncover hidden knowledge and shocking truths which are vital to our awakening process. You are now listening to Wokish.